following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. One Samuel, um, chapter twenty, beginning at verse one, and it can be found on page two nine two in the Church Bibles. One Samuel, chapter twenty. Then David fled from Naoth to Ramah, and went to Jonathan and asked, "What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life?" Never, Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without confiding in me. Why should he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, there is, only a, <clears throat> there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, look, tomorrow is the new moon festival, and I'm supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went there together. Then Jonathan said to David, by the Lord, the God of Israel, I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away safely. May the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live, so that I may not be killed, and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. 
Father, as we come to this story that we know so well, we pray that you would teach us something about loyal and faithful friendship, and also that you will show us something of the loyal and faithful friendship that we have in Jesus our Lord. We ask it for his sake. Amen. Knowing I was going to do David and Jonathan, I thought I'd do a bit of uh, searching about uh, on friends. Uh, And there is a lot on friends. What surprised me was that uh, many, so many people are saying that friendship is absolutely essential to us as social beings and as spiritual beings. Social psychology has begun to emphasize that friendship, especially the bonding friendships between female with female or male with male, are vital for our mental health. And then I thought, yes, I see this going on everywhere. You go into a coffee shop, there will be twos on a table. Very often, two, male, male, uh, often male, female, but often male, male, female, female. But also if you go into the pub, you will see male bonding and female bonding. You'll see that people meet in the pub to watch football. They will meet to play tennis together. They will walk together. Uh, Rugby teams bond in an incredible way. that amazing photo of Alan Wynne-Jones, the Welsh captain, once they'd beaten Australia, finding George North, holding him by the face and kissing him. Appeared in all the papers. And I thought it was really nice because when you've been through the fire of only just beating Australia and you've won, then you've got to kiss something, haven't you? And I think George North was the first person, nearest person, and he had nearly scored a try. What I found really interesting is that YouGov did a research project this last August and came up with some worrying statistics. A quarter, 28%, of Britons across all ages said they had no one that they would call their best friend. And nearly one in 10 said they simply have no friends at all. One writer in the Times says, who cares? I haven't got a best friend, I've got kittens. Yeah. In the Christian Celtic tradition, you will find soul friends. And soul friends are considered an essential and integral part of spiritual development. St. Bridget of Kildare said, anyone without a soul friend is like a body without a head. And the Bible shows us powerful examples of friendships which transcend gender or age or culture. And that's why we're coming this morning to look at David and Jonathan. Uh, What I want to do is to look at, if you like, an anatomy of friendship. Uh, And there are four meetings that I want to pick out. If you want to read it afterwards, start at chapter 18 and go through to chapter 23, and you can stop there and you'll get the heart, I think, of what I'm going to say. Meeting number one, 1 Samuel 18. Abner, the commander of the Israel army, brings David to Saul. David is still holding Goliath's head, uh, presumably not wanting to let it go for the moment. 
Nobody said to him, for goodness sake, put that head down, you'll drip blood all over the royal carpet. He's just standing there, listening and having a conversation with Saul, holding Goliath's head. It's a long conversation. And all the while, I guess in the shadows slightly, as Saul talks to David, the king's son, Jonathan, listens and watches. And he gets more and more impressed with this young man. And the Bible said he loved him as he loved himself. We need to get the heart of that and the feel of it. What it actually says is that there was spirit to spirit. The spirit is the word used, which just means your life breath. But it is your life breath. It's the thing that makes you different from vegetables and trees. And at that level of life breath, they linked spirit to spirit. And he uses another word that Jonathan was tied to David. And the word for tied is the ordinary word for to get a piece of string and tie it round one thing and then tie it round another so that they can't come apart. Now we're beginning to see that what we have here is a deep friendship. You notice this is not at the level of liking. He's a nice guy. Or usefulness. It's good to have him on my team nor a shared interest. Every Wednesday we meet one another for sword practice and then we go to the pub. Now all those are reasons for friendship. It's not just those, any of those three. This is friendship at the deepest level. It is deeper than just attraction or shared interest. They are literally knotted together at the very heart. The interesting thing is the second thing. It is a friendship at that level, but it is also a friendship that includes God. We are not surprised to hear that Jonathan made a covenant. This is a solemn commitment to David in the presence of Almighty God. There is a deep friendship, yes, and it is grounded in God. And then comes the biggest surprise of all. Jonathan starts to take off his robe. Do not think it's his dressing gown. It's a formal robe. It's got gold and silver in it. And he takes it off. And then he takes off the tunic that is underneath. Again, formal clothes. And takes a sword and the bow and the ornamental belt and gives all these things to David. I asked once why I thought he did that and got a very sensible answer. He said, well, sensible, practical answer. David was covered in blood and mud. He'd just been out fighting with Goliath and Jonathan thought he really ought to dress rather better. You haven't got any idea of the clothes that he's given him. He's not grabbed something and say, yeah, keep yourself warm with that. What is actually happening? Jonathan is handing over to David all the symbols of the crown prince. Let that sink in. Just as John the Baptist looked to Jesus and said, he must increase and I must decrease. So Jonathan is saying the same thing. Some one commentator said it, it is a virtual abdication 
Good way of putting it. Jonathan has seen what is happening in David's life and what God is going to do in David's life. And Jonathan at that moment decides that he will go along with God's purposes and gets rid of all the stuff that makes him crown prince. Basically, Jonathan has decided, I will slipstream in the slipstream of God. I will tailgate behind the divine car where God goes, I'm going, as far as David is concerned. There's three marks of real deep friendship. At this point, did you notice, it's, it's all Jonathan. David is silent and receives what is going on. There's no, rec no record of any response from David. He didn't say, well, thank you very much. I don't really deserve it. No, 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 that. But notice what we've got. We have a deep friendship marked by a covenant, and God is an essential part of that friendship. And one friend is going to do all that he can in his power to ensure that the other friend enters into all that God has in store for him. It's fantastic. The passage asks us, do you have a friend like that? Or do you say, I've got kittens? And could you be a friend like that? Okay, meeting two. Well, time passes and relationships between David and Saul disintegrate. Saul issues a command to Jonathan and his courtiers to kill David. Like a mafia boy. We're into the world of the Godfather, aren't we? So take him out. And that lovely phrase that I use a lot, really. Tonight he sleeps with the fishes. If you don't recognize Godfather, it's not a very good imitation. But I remember it all the time. It's a great line, you know, Talite, he sleeps with the fishes. Okay. But that's what we got. And Jonathan takes an enormous risk. He tells David what Saul has commanded. He says to David, go and hide and don't come out. And then even more risky... I will go for a walk with my father and I will tell you everything my father says. Right, what have we got? Disloyalty, treason, treachery. Jonathan is a mole. He's a traitor. He's like an undercover secret agent. You really don't do that when the king is quite handy with a javelin when he's got a bad temper. And if you remember, early on, before David came on the scene, Saul had made an oath, a casual oath, to kill Jonathan. Well, he didn't. But now he's got a reason for killing Jonathan. But, greater love has no man than this, that a man gives up his life for his friend. Of course, that's said about Jesus. When he gets to Saul, watch Jonathan at work. He pleads David's case, which is a tricky thing to do, risky, and says things like this, you were really glad when he killed Goliath, weren't you? He risked his life for you then. He's on your side. He wants the best for you. 
And surprise, surprise, Saul actually listens this time. And he makes a solemn oath, but Saul's good at solemn oaths. He makes a solemn oath that he will not touch David. And Jonathan finds David and personally, physically brings him back into the court. And the Bible says, end of paragraph, and David was with Saul as before. And everything's okay. You see what's happened? Here is a friend who acts as a go-between. Here is a friend who risks his reputation and possibly his life. Here is a friend who has healed the split between two warring persons. He has played the part of peacemaker and reconciler. And he has worked a little miracle. Do you have a friend like that? Could you be a friend like that? Meeting number three. This is the bit that we was read just a few minutes ago. Saul's resolution not to touch David lasts about that long, okay? And at the beginning of chapter 20, he has attempted to kill David, I counted, a total of seven times already. He's failed on each occasion. And the friendship between David and Jonathan, I think, moves into a new phase because we suddenly see there is just the beginning of tension between the two friends. David finds Jonathan and is clearly bewildered. And he says, what have I done? What's my crime? How have I wronged your father? I haven't. And Jonathan is a bit baffled he says look my father tells me everything he would have told me if he'd gone back on his oath believe me he is not after you now we know that Jonathan is wrong but Jonathan doesn't how would David respond to that well, I think there's evidence of David being just a bit sharp at this point. I mean, basically, Jonathan has said to him, you're wrong, you're totally wrong, you're 100% wrong. And David says, taking a solemn oath before God, I will tell the truth, this is really serious stuff. David says, basically, this is my translation, what planet are you living on? Of course he's tried to kill me. The reason you don't have any evidence that he's trying to kill me is that he doesn't trust you. He knows you're on my side. And he doesn't let you into his secret planning, does he? Look, I'm only one step away from death. In other words, take it seriously. One step away from death. This is a crisis. Now, what's Jonathan going to do? Because now we're under pressure. And what Jonathan could have done is take his stand on his original position. I said, you're not in danger. I mean it, you are not in any danger. I would know if you were in danger. And within a short while, we might have the first major row and a split between two friends. But listen to what Jonathan actually said. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it for you. Now, we use the word forever to mean I couldn't care less. So, a parent says to a teenage 
child. Um, you tidy up your bedroom before you go out tonight, won't you? And the child says, yeah, whatever. And we know what that means. It means not in a month of Sundays. You must be joking. Now, it's interesting that when Jonathan uses whatever, he means whatever. Jonathan says, whatever for him is a blank check. Whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. Blank check. It takes my breath away. This is real friendship. This is friendship when it hurts. Unfortunately, within 48 hours, it becomes absolutely clear that Saul really is after David. And David and Jonathan meet up again. But now there is a difference. Something has happened. Something quite beautiful, actually. David comes and prostrates himself, face on the ground, three times in front of John, Jonathan. And they kiss each other. And they weep together. And one of those revealing lines in the Bible, which doesn't explain itself, it just hangs there. And David wept longer. Something's happening to David. David's finally realizing what a friend he is going to lose, what a friend he's got. And he weeps uncontrollably. And Jonathan, wonderful. Go in peace, he says. We've promised friendship in the name of the Lord. He is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants. And they go their different ways. And they will only meet again once. And that'll be the end. Have you got a friend like that? Could you be a friend like that? Here's the last one, meeting number four. And this is in 1 Samuel 23. If you want to read this, start at 18 and go to 23. There's a lot of stuff that isn't about Jonathan, but you can see the bits that are. And you'll see the developing of a wonderful friendship. But this last meeting does have a, a touch of sadness about it. David has been on the run for 42 verses. I counted them. And there is no letting up. There is no satisfying the bloodlust of Saul. And he is deeply depressed, as you would be. And Jonathan goes to find him in hiding. And he finds him deeply depressed. And the Bible puts another one of those, learn, those lines. Jonathan goes to help him find strength in God. So Jonathan comes in affirmation mode, in encouragement mode. What a line, to help him find strength in God. And Jonathan says, listen, don't be afraid. That's what angels say in the Bible. Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over all Israel. I will be second to you. Can you find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? But we know that's a hymn and we know it's about Jesus. He is speaking the word of the Lord over David with utter confidence. Hear it. This is what's going to happen. 
It's another example of what a friend in God can do for you. Can you hear Elizabeth encouraging Mary? Mary doesn't know where she is. Gabriel has come. He's given her just about enough information to worry her and not enough to tell her how it's going to happen. And the first thing Mary does is, ah, apart from that, and then runs like mad, in great haste, to the hill country of Judea to find Elizabeth, who is much older but wise as well. And when Mary comes in, Elizabeth says just the right thing, as it were, holding her hand over Mary and saying, this is the mother of my Lord. Whoa, what did Mary need on that occasion? That's what she needed. That whatever's going on in here, the angel was right. This is the mother of my Lord, says this old person who loves Mary. You can hear the young person, Ruth, talking to Naomi. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. David and Jonathan make a covenant before the Lord. Again. Jonathan goes home. And David goes as a fugitive into the wilderness. Do you have a friend like that? And could you be a friend like that? Waste time I finished. There's nothing much left to be said then of the two. Jonathan dies in battle. David writes a lament which contains the lines, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful. Passing the love of women. Commentators have spilt gallons of ink on what passing the love of women might mean. But for me it means the love that you showed me was getting very close to the love of God. It was far beyond any love you'd find in human beings. What was it St. Bridget said? Anyone without a soul friend is like a body without a head. If God offers you a soul friend, then cling to him or her as to a brother or a sister because in them we hear echoes of the friendship of Jesus who took off his outer garments in order to wash the feet of the disciples and said I don't call you servants I call you friends Amen Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.